events and the glories that God has prepared for them that love him. And he has many, many wondrous things for us. I trust that you're a real believer in Christ this morning. The whole world is just divided into two groups, those that are saved and those that are lost. That's all. There aren't any other groups in the world, you know, and that's really all that counts. There's just the saved who trusted Christ as personal Savior and the lost. God divides the world this way. He says there is no middle ground. There's no place that you can stand in the middle and take a little of one and a little of the other. You're either saved or lost. You're saved if you've trusted Christ. You're saved if you're cleansed in the blood of the Lamb. You're saved if you've been born again of that incorruptible seed of the Word of God. And so there is the division between the two. But let me read the portion to you. We were in the marriage supper of the Lamb and the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm going to begin at the fifth verse where I began before and then go down just a little further than we had last time. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God and all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice. This is the uh, 19th chapter of Revelation, 5th verse. I'm sorry, did I, did I give that to you before? I just said the verse, huh? All right. Let's start again. 19th chapter, the 5th verse. And a voice came, I could hear those sheets turning, and I guess you're going to start... <laughs> You're going to start at Genesis and see if you could catch me. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Or here in the Greek it would be the righteous deeds or acts of the saints. The righteousness imputed to us by Christ is a righteousness which is permanent. It will never have any variation. In other words, that is the righteousness of God given to us by our faith in Christ. We died with him, dead. Now we're alive with Christ on the resurrection side of the grave. And so we are redeemed in his precious blood. We can have all of the blessed assurance that God wants us to have. And we have been, as it says here, she was granted to be arrayed in fine linen. This is speaking of the church. Clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. In other words, it's the clothing. You remember Steve Rowland saying, what we weave here, we shall wear there. That's wonderful, isn't it? What we weave here, we shall wear there. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
And I'm just going to use the 11th verse as a finish. I may not get to it, but I'm going to use it. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. May the Lord add his blessing to that portion of his precious word. It's quite an amazing thing, isn't it? Uh, you go to a marriage supper, the banqueting table, where all is joy, the great joy of the church, that's the bride of Christ, the great joy of the church, being with their Savior finally at that great marriage supper of the Lamb. It's hard to conceive, isn't it, that you leave the marriage supper and the banqueting table and you go to war. That's a difficult thing, isn't it? Well, we're going to talk about that in these coming weeks. But for now, I just want to talk about the fact that the bride is prepared by the Savior himself. It tells us here that she hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. But the most wonderful thing is that she has been made ready. And you and I who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ, we've been made ready when we get to that time of the marriage supper of the Lamb by the judgment seat of Christ. We are all going to appear before that judgment seat. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, For we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to answer for the deeds done in the body, whether they be good or bad. Now notice, it says good or bad. No mention of sin is made because sin is taken care of. Christ was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So the sin question is never brought up again against the children of God. The only thing you will have to answer for at the judgment seat of Christ is those unconfessed areas of your life. And that's why I suggest so, so carefully that you leave no unconfessed sin in your life. You don't answer for it as sin, but you will answer for it as a deed, whether it has been good or bad. If you have gone to the Savior for forgiveness, you are forgiven. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's talking to the children of God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that wonderful? Have you anything on your heart this morning, Christian, that should be forgiven? Then you must go right to the Savior because all unconfessed sin will be brought up at the judgment seat of Christ. Not as sin, but merely as good or bad. And that will be the bad side. What a shame it would be for a child of God to go to the judgment seat and to have anything on their hearts. It's to be confessed, to be 
cast into the deepermost parts of the sea, as the Savior said. Now, your sins, he says, I will remember no more. They are in the deepermost parts of the sea. As far as the east is from the west, so are thy sins removed from thee. And so the sin question is settled forever and ever and ever. But, beloved, we are to remember that there is unconfessed sin. And this is why I am very careful to mention to you, don't let any, any sin go unconfessed. Remember that this is a most important portion of our lives. You will remember that the word of God is very, very clear here. That whosoever confesses their sins and forsakes them, I always underline that, shall find mercy. There's to be a confession of sin. There will be tears at the judgment seat of Christ. For God, it says in Revelation, tells us that he shall wipe away all tears from his children's eyes. There is a time when we shall all appear for the judgment seat of Christ to answer for the deeds done in the body, whether they be good or whether they be bad. Now, beloved, there is now a record of your works. There wasn't before, before you were saved. There's no record of your works at all. Because God needed no record of your works before you were saved. You were dead. Dead men can do no works. Dead men are dead. You were dead in trespasses and sins. So you were a dead man. So your works had no value. It meant nothing. But since you're saved and redeemed in the blood of Christ, you can know now that God is recording every single thing you do. You shall answer for the deeds. Boy, I put a big circle around that, not the sins. The deeds done in the body, whether they be good or bad. Now over in 1 Corinthians 3, let me read about those things so that you understand what God is saying here. Here's a marvelous portion beginning at the 11th verse. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if any man I don't know how you do with your Bible. I underline everything that I think is important to me, see. Now, in these portions, I have underlined certain words. Any man, wherever I found it, where I'm reading now, every man, I've underlined every man, and I've underlined the word work because it's very important, you see. Now, notice, just remember those. Any man, every man, and work. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, and precious stones, or wood, hay, or stubble, Every man's work, notice it's work, shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try, not the man, notice. This is where they get the purgatory, see. Not the man, notice. The fire shall try what? Every man's what? Work, you see. Every man's work of what sort it is, good or bad. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Isn't that wonderful? If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Notice, isn't this great? Read that with me, would you? What does it say? But he himself shall be saved. Isn't that wonderful? So is by fire. In other words, 
Those works of wood, the hay, and the stubble have to be burned away. Those things that have been in our life that have been obnoxious to God so that we can go in. They have to be burned away. We have to answer at the judgment seat of Christ for those works. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Notice that. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, I want you to notice the divine order, which is very important here, how the Lord judges us. I think the, the order is so blessed here. You notice the bride doesn't take his bridegroom and doesn't take the church his bride to the marriage supper until first he has judged her. He doesn't want any bit of joy to be taken away. He wants it all cleansed away. All cleansed away. Then all the tears washed away. Oh, there'll be heartaches. I imagine I'm going to have some heartaches. You are too. None of us, you see, are perfect. We all have those things in our lives, possibly, those things that have happened in our lives that break our hearts. Then there'll be broken hearts over so many different things, but the Savior is going to take it all away, and I assume since there'll be no more tears, that then there will be absolute forgetfulness of all those things. You know how hard it is to forget now? But there'll be absolute forgetfulness of all those things that have been a burden to our hearts. But the divine order is so beautiful. First the judgment seat, and then the marriage supper of the Lamb, you see. Now, let's suppose, you know, uh, yesterday, uh, Holly and Al Majanas were, were married. It was a beautiful wedding. And, but uh, suppose, you know, I have a portion in the wedding ceremony where I say something like this. Judy, you can listen to me now and you too, Roger, where I, where I say something like this. If either of you know of any impediment or secret sin that should forbid you from being joined together in Christ, confess it now. I sort of shudder, you know, when I say that. I've never had anybody confess anything at the, while I'm marrying them. But the words have kind of, you know, made me wonder sometimes where it says, confess it now. And I couldn't think of how the Savior did it. Suppose after Alan Holly had been married and uh, they're on their way right now, I think down to Bermuda, aren't they? But suppose, uh, I believe they left this morning, but suppose, you know, that uh, after they were married, that then uh, they left for their honeymoon and then the groom began to judge his bride. Imagine. They get married first and then after they're married, the groom begins to judge the bride. Wouldn't this have been terrible order to have? The judgment to be after the marriage? Oh, how tragic this would have been. And 
I couldn't help but think, as I thought of that, of how careful God is in his forgiveness. He makes sure that all is forgiven so that we can come to him. And when that day comes, when the marriage supper of the Lamb comes, when the church has been caught up to be with its Lord, with our Lord forever and ever, that the joy will be so deep in our hearts. But all the mistakes we can make in our lives, and the tragedies that ensue because of it. I'd like to be very practical, uh, and I can think of some sad, sad things that I've had to undertake for in my study. And I might say this so that none of you will begin to say, ah, it's going to give us a bit of gossip now. No, this isn't... Uh, concerning anyone in the congregation because I have people come from other churches to counsel with me. And uh, when I counsel with them, let me tell you, it's a heartbreaking experience. And I think of how wonderfully the Lord did this here in forgiving first and having his judgment seat and of tenderly dealing with his children. He knoweth our frame, it tells us. He's so careful with us. He knows that we are but flesh, you see. It tells us this. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He's tested in every point as we are. He won't be a harsh judge, but there will be tears because we will find that we've neglected so many things that we should have done, and we've done those things which we should not have done. And Paul himself, as a saved man, says, the, the good that I should, I do not, and the evil that I should not, that I do. Wretched man that I am, so that we as Christians understand there's a conflict always going on within us. And here, I couldn't help but think of the different ones that have come into my study and the tragedies that ensue sometimes unless forgiveness is received. I think of a couple that came here, oh, I guess a few years ago, and I'll never forget because uh, they walked in. He was a fine, handsome fellow, both saved, both knew the Lord as their personal Savior. And he was a very, very fine young Christian. And they came into my study and they asked if they could see me and they wanted to tell me that they were getting married. They lived down south and they had come up here and uh, they had once been in our church years before. And... Uh, so they sat down and they began to talk to me. So they're going through all the plans of the marriage and telling me, and they're so radiant and so bubbling, you know, and going along. I had knowledge in my heart of a sin that had happened in this girl's life. I knew that when she was 15 years old, she had had a baby. And I sat there listening to all of this. She never knew that I knew it, but I knew all about it. And here they are planning their marriage and there's radiance, you know, and finally after all the consulta consultation with them, they weren't being married here, I looked at her and I said to her, and I won't use her name, tell me, did you tell him that you have a baby. She looked at me 
and the tears began to come. And he looked at her. And I said, why don't you tell him? So through her tears, she told him what had happened. Then I looked at him, and I said to him, now, you told me that you love her with a great love. I said to her, did you think this could be hidden? I said, I know where your baby lives, not far from here. I said, did you think you would hide this from him? When did you intend to tell him? And she said, I thought maybe after we got married. And I said, oh, what tragedy that would have been. And there I said to him, now, now you prove whether you really love her or not. I said, I'm not going to say to you to say so now, but I want you to go home tonight and I want you to pray. You're a saved fellow. You're a saved girl. I want you to pray. And then tomorrow you call me up and tell me. Well, the next day they didn't call me up. They came and they rang my bell. And she came up to my study. She ran across the floor and threw her arms around me and kissed me and said, he really loves me. He really loves me. She said, how could I have thought of deceiving him in such a way? You see, the forgiveness before the marriage, you see, the forgiveness before the marriage had to be there. And so the, the, these kind of things, beloved, all oh, that we would understand, it's so important that there be that clear-cut honesty. Imagine what would have happened to that marriage May I say now they have four children? They're radiantly happy, radiantly happy. Love each other so much. But he came over to me at that same time and he said, thank you because had I ever found out after we got married, it would have been such a blow to our marriage. But now it's absolutely free and open and clear. Showing what forgiveness is, beloved. And this is exactly what the Savior does for us. You know, sometimes we talk about the scarlet sin. And whenever I say the scarlet sin, I guess it's because we've gotten it out of books and other things, you know, all kinds of things. We think of only one sin. But may I say this? God does not grade sin. With Jesus Christ, there are no venial sins and mortal sins. Sin is sin. And sometimes we take one sin and we sort of say, this is it. And if the person commits this sin forever, they are anathema. Get away from God. Now, I want to remind you, your Savior never says that. Never says that. Oh, and how important this is. Let me give you one more case fire of forgiveness. I had a girl come into my study just, oh, several months ago. I'm telling you this, they're not from my church, so I have no fear. Uh, she came into the study and she said to me, you don't know me? And I said, no. And she said, I come from such and such a church. I know the church, good fundamental, Baptist church, gospel preaching church. And I said, uh, have you been to your pastor? And she said, oh, yes, I, I went to him and talked with him, but I wanted to talk with you. So I said, well, what did you want to tell me? And she was just 16. 
And she said to me, Pastor again, I'm pregnant. And I said, well, didn't you go to your pastor? Yes, I did. Well, what did he tell you? He told me to leave the area and go away and have her baby someplace else so no disgrace was brought upon the church. I said, what's your pastor's name? And she told me his name. I said, would you mind just sitting here for a minute? I got on the phone. I called him up. And I know him by first name. And I said to him, I said, may I ask you a question? I said, suppose I tell you, he had a daughter, 15. I said, your daughter is here in my study. And she has just told me that she's pregnant. Tell me, Pastor, what would you like me to do? I waited for a minute. And he said, I'd like you to love her very much and undertake for her needs. I said, well, it's not your daughter, but I'm going to send back the girl to you that you told to go away so she'd bring no disgrace upon the church. And he said over the phone, God forgive me. How ridiculous can we be as preachers of the gospel and Christians that we should ever think such things, that we, as those who love Christ, evidence none of the qualities of Christ, evidence none of the character of Christ, although we have Christ dwelling in us, and remember the Lord Jesus standing beside the woman taken in adultery, and he looks at all the crowd around her and he says, which of you, having no sin, let you cast the first stone? All the men walk away and he looks at her and he says, daughter, neither do I condemn thee. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Arise and sin no more. You see how different it is with our precious Savior? Oh, how blessed. Our Savior takes care of all of the sins before he takes us to the marriage supper. As I said before, suppose Al Majanas, after they were married yesterday, then began to judge. No, the judgment is first. And then the great banqueting table, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And even as our Lord Jesus forgives us, for all kinds of sin, oh, beloved, that there might be forgiveness in our hearts. May I remind you of Galatians 6.1, where it says that you who are spiritual, if there be any who sin among you, see that ye restore them quickly, lest you also, being taken in the same temptation and the same sin, find yourselves falling into the very same thing. Isn't it strange that the church of Jesus Christ is not as tender, notice, is not as tender to a sinning brother and sister as they would be to someone out in the world. They practically cast them out. And here the Lord Jesus tenderly offers forgiveness. Oh, so blessed. It's the marriage supper, notice, of the Lamb. How wonderful that is. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
And the Lamb is the one that divides the world into two portions. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world and the other portion who do not believe. And here is this one who offers forgiveness to us and we are so apt sometimes to be so unforgiving. Unforgiving. What does the person do who will not forgive? Why, they hold a terrible hold upon that person who they're not forgiving. They sort of hold a clamp upon their lives. Although the scripture says, forgive ye one another even as Christ has forgiven you and he had much to forgive you and me. And he says, now you forgive each other like this. But the person who holds an unforgiving spirit upon someone who has offended them or something in a marriage that has been a terrible burden or something in a family life or something that has happened and cast that one aside and said, I forgive you, but I'll never forget it. Oh, how terrible, how terrible. Suppose my Savior was that way. He says, forgive ye one another even as I forgave you. That's how I want your forgiveness. I don't want this light kind of forgiveness. When you forgive, may I say this, the person who has sinned deeply suffers enough. May I say that again? The one who has sinned deeply suffers enough. Do you know what the suffering of a saved soul is who has sinned against the Savior? All you have to do is read Psalm 32 and 51. If you want to see the sufferings of a saved man, David, when he sinned against God and the suffering was all within his breast and it needs no punishment from us. What makes us think we are to judge and we are to punish at any time? The Lord says, judge not that ye be not judged. We are not to be the ones that are to judge and hold our unforgiving spirit as a hammer over the head of somebody or to sort of soothe our troubled spirits and to sort of live in our self-pity that we've been offended so badly. Oh, no, no. The Lord Jesus wants forgiveness. He says, now listen, I want you to remember at the judgment seat of Christ, I'm not going to judge you for your sins. Do you realize that? Do you realize that my blood covered you for sin for time and eternity? Your sins are forgiven. Then by what logic of heart and mind do you hold an unforgiving spirit upon your mate or upon some loved one or some friend for some offense they have committed? Why is it that you hold that offense so deeply? I had a man in this church who since has died, but I'll never forget one time when he said to me that he wasn't very happy in his Christian life and I got talking to him. And I said, I understand you have a brother living somewhere near here, don't you? And he said, yes, I do. I said, he, where does he live? He said, about two blocks from me. But he said, I haven't talked to him in 25 years. I said, I understand he's quite a well-known Christian too. And he said, yes, that's true. I said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself to tell me that you're both Christian and because a brother offended you, a brother in the flesh and in the spirit offended you 25 years ago, you've never talked to him again. Let me tell you, the unsaved, it's bad enough. I go to hospitals. I've been out in Meadowbrook there and I've talked to people and I talked to an old lady out there who was 89 years of age and she said to me, she said, 
I said, how long have you been here? And she said, I've been here three years. I said, who comes to visit you? She said, no one. I said, don't you have a family? Oh, yes, I have a family. Where do they live? Oh, my son and my daughter live in Brooklyn. I said, why don't they visit you? She said, 15 years ago, something went wrong, and they've never spoken to me since and wouldn't care if I were dead or I'm alive. Now, that's out in the world. There was no Christianity there. But, beloved, where there's Christians like you and like me, Will you remember the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus? May I ask this just simple thing? Is there anyone in your life you haven't forgiven? If there is, get it straightened out, please. Don't ever go to that judgment seat with some unforgiving spirit. Get it straightened out. Go to them. I remember reading about uh, Dickens and Thackeray, you know, the two great authors. Or maybe I ought to talk about others. Gilbert and Sullivan, you know those better probably, you know. They had a fallout, and uh, they had a fallout because or a rug. They were great friends. And one brought a rug and put it in their office that the other didn't like. They broke up, broke the office up, and both went to different offices, and they didn't speak. One would write the music, and the other wrote the words, and they never saw each other. They just would send it back and forth. They never saw each other. And when... Their great musicals were put out. They said that in those days, when they had to take a bow after the musical, one would stand on one side of the stage looking this way, and the other stand at the other side and look that way, and never would look at each other. And finally, one day, they were passing each other on the street. And I'm going to say it was Sullivan. I can't remember, but Sullivan's an Irish name, and I like the idea. <laughs> anyway, Sullivan was going down the street, and he passed Gilbert, and he got about, he was walking with a friend, and he got about 20 paces farther, farther on, and suddenly he turned around, and he ran back, and he looked at him, and he said, Gilbert, I love you. He said, can't we be friends like we always were before? And Gilbert broke down in tears, they shook hands, and they were back friends again. Four days later, Sullivan died. And Gilbert wrote about it. That four days before, imagine if he'd have gone down to his grave unforgiving. You know what the Lord says about us? Let not the sun go down on your what? Breath. Don't you hold anything overnight. Alice and I have never gone to bed where there's been any difference between us that has not been settled. Because you don't know. You could go home tonight with unforgiveness. Now, I don't know if any of you, is there some unforgiveness that you haven't had that forgiving spirit, something in your married life? Is there anything you bring up God deliver anyone from that kind of a, you know, you have a little dispute or a little upset, and they, right away they say to you, you know, but I remember when. Lord, deliver us eh, from that kind of a spirit.
and give us the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Remember his forgiveness. And finally, when think of the sins you had to be forgiven, huh? And that at that judgment seat, he's not going to judge you even for the sins at all. He's just going to judge whether you've been good or bad. And you're not going to lose heaven. You're going to still have heaven, he says. Remember this. His judgment is in love and in tenderness and compassion. He's cleansed you from sin forever and forever and forever. The least you can do is to be forgiven to a brother or sister in Christ, a loved one, that you have that forgiving spirit. Make sure, don't, don't you go to your meal today with an unforgiving spirit. Don't go to sleep tonight with an unforgiving. You know what you do for yourself when you forgive someone? Why, it's the alchemy of heaven. Why, when you forgive someone, oh, all the joy flows into your heart. Do you know what Jesus says about this? It's marvelous. I love what he says. He says, if thy brother offend thee. Now, you know how you feel about this. If my brother offends me, boy, I'm going to wait until he comes. What does Jesus say? If thy brother offend thee, go to thy brother. You say, me, I'm offended. The Lord Jesus says, you go. You're offended? You go to your brother and get that whole thing straightened out. Isn't that wonderful? That puts you in a position where you never can say, the reason there's no forgiveness is because I'm the offended one. And that's exactly what Jesus wants, that offended one to go and say, listen, I love you. Let's get this all straightened out. Let's have God's forgiveness and we forgive each other. How precious, how wonderful. Think of how Jesus forgives you. Forgive you one another even as Christ has forgiven you. Let us pray. Father, we thank thee for thy precious word. And Lord, we're mindful at the judgment seat how blessed thou art to us. If we were really judged, Lord, for our lives, even as Christians, we'd never get to heaven. We must remember that. Our flesh has not been changed by redemption. We're redeemed, but we have the same old flesh. And Paul warns us, he says, there's a continual war in your members, the flesh against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So, Lord, we do thank thee that even at the judgment seat of Christ, it's not to answer for sin, but it's to answer for unconfessed things that we've done. Lord, how we pray that there'll be no lack of confession today, truly confessing and forsaking all sin, and that when the judgment seat comes, we'll really be able to stand there, and Lord, that those balance books which you've set up since we've been saved will have, Lord, all the glorious things and that when we've sinned, when we've done those things which we know thou art not pleased with, we've come to thee and said, Lord, forgive us and cleanse us in your precious blood. And Father, we pray if there's any unforgiving spirit here this morning in a family or between a wife and a husband or between children and parents, oh, Father, above everything else, may forgiveness come there. We, may we always remember Christ as he looked at his crucifiers and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.